It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, you know, folks, we are a team, a father and son team, but Rich is uh, in another state right now at a big convention, actually on the East Coast. And uh, so that's where he is. So we'll, we'll go it alone today. But we do miss him. Well, first of all, let me say this. I have a little saying here in the studio that was sent to me by a friend many years ago. And that's why I think about our Bot Radio Network family. And it says, no distance of place or the lapse of time can lessen our friendship for those who are thoroughly persuaded of each other's worth. And that's why I feel about our Bot Radio Network family. Uh, as we're discussing various things that are very, very, very important. I mean, today, folks, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court. Can you imagine? The Supreme Court of the United States. But over time, the members of the Supreme Court, of course, change. And then they're appointed by whatever president is in office at the time. And then they have to be confirmed by the Senate. The nature of the court, of course, changes because people change. But listen now, in 1885, the United States Supreme Court, in a case Murphy versus Ramsey and others, said these words, certainly no legislation can be supposed more wholesome and necessary in the founding of a free, self-governing commonwealth than that which seeks to establish on the basis of the idea of the family and consisting in uh, one woman and one man in the holy state of matrimony. The family is the sure foundation of all that is stable and noble in our civilization. And that's something from the Supreme Court. Now, you know, the Supreme Court today just recently said, we will hear a case concerning abortion to maybe even relook at Roe v. Wade. And of course, the media and Hollywood and uh, the people are all up in arms. Oh, my word. Does that mean that we can't continue? I'm sorry I have to say this to kill our children if we want to. Isn't that going to be our right anymore? I mean, is that right, so-called right, at, at risk? So uh, I thought today we'll just start out and kind of discuss all of that pretty thoroughly. But it really starts with our own heart, our own sense of right and wrong and how we perceive what God would do and what his word clearly tells us. We can talk about the science later, which is also very clear, by the way. But listen to this song and see what you think. Is the key to heaven, but So easily spoken Without faith Is like a boat Without an oar Have faith When you speak To the master That's all 
of thought and nothing more. Believing, my friend, is what really counts. And faith, faith is what unlocks the door. Yes. Have faith when you speak to the master. That's all you ask you. I love that song. That's one of those old-fashioned songs, isn't it? But it really is, folks. God speaks to us out of his word, and we beseech him and pray to him when we pray. And those two things are so important. Now let's get down here to brass tacks. I thought, well, we could have various speakers about this subject, but I'm talking to a Christian audience, so let's go to the preacher, Reverend Lawrence White, Dr. Lawrence White of Houston, Texas. We've used his message so many times, but every time we do, our listening audience calls a listener comment line, and they say, what was that? I'd never heard that before. Would you please tell me where I can get a copy of it over and over and over again? You know, that also says something, doesn't it? That Dr. Lawrence White is saying something in this message that other preachers should be saying over and over and over again until we stop doing what is terribly, terribly wrong in any society. So here it is. Let's hear it together. I've been traveling across the length and breadth of this great land over the last few years, talking primarily to pastors' groups, seeking to awaken and arouse God's spokesmen among us to be what God has called them to be, to preach his word without apology, without hesitation, without reluctance. And so I was very pleased to have the opportunity to take my two sons, Adam, who's 23, and Aaron, who's 20, with me on a trip to Germany. As a Lutheran Christian, that's where my historic and theological roots are, and I wanted the boys to see where they came from and to get some context, I guess you could call it, a setting in which to evaluate and assess what's happening in our country and in their lives. And so we flew out of Houston on Christmas Day. We landed in Berlin, and one afternoon we rented a van and we drove out into the countryside about 35 kilometers or so northeast of Berlin to a little farming community called Oranienberg. Not much there, a couple of taverns, a couple of gas stations, a few houses. That's about it. Nobody would ever have heard of that little town were it not for the fact that Heinrich Himmler 
chose Oranienberg as the site of one of his prototype concentration camps, a horrible place called Sachsenhausen. That means the home of the Saxons. I took the boys there that day because I wanted them to see what had happened to this great Christian nation, this homeland of the Reformation, almost overnight. And the boys grew quiet as we walked across the vast expanse where the barracks once stood that held hundreds of thousands of prisoners. During the 12 years of the Hitlerreich, we saw the bales of human hair and the piles of children's shoes. We went to the medical laboratories where gruesome experiments were conducted on living human beings without anesthetic because they were not viewed as human because of their race or their language. And finally we walked to the back where far in the corner the crematorium once stood. The oven where they burned the bodies of the dead. And out in front of it was a grotesque wrought iron statue of two emaciated inmates hauling the dead body of one of their cohorts toward the gaping doors of the oven. The building itself had actually collapsed. They'd buried so many people underneath it that the foundations had been undermined. But the metal supports that once held those ovens were still there. And as we came up there, three days after Christmas, in front of the doorway to that crematorium, there was a withered Christmas wreath with a white ribbon on it. And the slogan on that ribbon said, from the Christians of Germany, we kneel before God in bitter regret and humble repentance, and we ask his forgiveness for the Jews and all the others who died in this place. And as we turned to walk away, out across the compound once again, my 20-year-old Aaron put his arm around me in the condescending way that sons have with their fathers. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, you need to keep giving those speeches that you've been giving. And I felt good. Because for the first time, my boys understood within the depths of their hearts what's happening in America today. But there in Sachsenhausen, for the very first time, they saw for themselves how much is at stake in our America and how desperately important these issues are and how much we stand to lose if we do not awaken and rouse ourselves quickly. That the people of God in Christ cannot disengage from the culture in which they live. We cannot withdraw to the comfortable security of our beautiful sanctuaries and sit in our padded pews while the world all around us goes to hell. For to do so is a betrayal of the Lord whose name we bear. And it is a denial of the power and the efficacy of his word, the word that he has given us to proclaim. In Germany, as here in the United States, one of the most clever tools in the enemy's arsenal used to silence and intimidate Christians, to drive them out of the public square, was the lie of the separation of church and state. There was a meeting held in the German capital city of Berlin in 1934. Hitler had been chancellor for just over a year at that point. He was taking the nation through a process which in German was called Gleichschaltung, that means coordination. Everything was being realigned in terms of national socialist philosophy, and that included the churches. And protests had begun to rise from the people of God about this interference in the church 
and its life. And so Hitler called together the most important preachers in the land. And he gathered them there at the Reichschancellery to reassure them and to intimidate them, if he could, to silence their criticism so that he could go on with his plans for the country. And Hitler moved through the crowd that day, patting the preachers on the back, making them feel important, smiling and reassuring. He told them their state subsidies would continue, their tax exemptions were secure, that the church had nothing to fear from a Nazi government. And finally, one brash young preacher who was there, Martin Niemöller was his name, had had enough. Today we'd call him politically incorrect. He was going to tell the truth, even if that truth was not popular. And he pushed his way to the front of the room until he stood eye to eye with the German dictator. And he said, Herr Hitler, our concern is not for the church. Jesus Christ will take care of his church. Our concern is for the soul of our nation. It was immediately evident that the brash young preacher spoke only for himself. As a chagrin, silence fell over that room. And his colleagues hustled him away from the front. Hitler, with a natural politician's instinct, saw that reaction, and he understood exactly what it meant. And he smiled as he said to himself almost reflectively, the soul of Germany, you can leave that to me. And they did. They kept their religion and their politics strictly separate from one another. And as the innocent were slaughtered and the nation was led down the path to destruction, they looked the other way and they minded their own business, and their country was destroyed. I would submit to you today that we in America find ourselves in a frighteningly similar predicament. Once again, the innocent are being slaughtered in a 26-year holocaust that makes Hitler look like a humanitarian by comparison. Once again, the nation is being led down the path to destruction and once again, by and large, God's people are looking the other way. I don't have to tell anyone in this room tonight how far down that path to destruction we've already traveled. You see the evidence in families that are fractured, in marriages that are broken, in young people that lose their way and often their lives in a maze of alcohol and drugs in a culture that can no longer distinguish between lust and love, that is willing to tolerate the vilest perversion as alternate acceptable lifestyle while pestilence stalks the land, in public schools that have become facilitators for fornication and procurers for the abortionist knife, in a nation that has lost the moral will to distinguish between that which is right and that which is wrong, we know all too well how far down that road to destruction we have already gone. And that's because in large part, every time a Christian, particularly a Christian pastor, raises his voice on a matter of public policy, the immediate hue and cry from the media, from the political and educational elite and establishment is, wait a minute, we have the separation of church and state in this country. You Christians, you keep your morality to yourselves. As history repeats itself, they smile reassuringly as they tell us the soul of America. You can leave that to us. And we have. Brothers and sisters, the time has come and is long since past. 
when we stopped listening to and being immobilized by these lies from the father of lies. This is the genius of America. The recognition that a country like ours, a country where the people rule, must be a country where morality prevails. But that's not the kind of country that we have seen developing all around us every day. That's not the kind of country we read about when we pick up the newspapers every morning. America has forgotten who she is. And if she does not remember soon, it will be too late. In the 1830s, a French nobleman named Alexis de Tocqueville came from Europe to this new land to see what it was that gave America its vitality and its strength. And he toured across this country. He saw all that there was to see. And when it was done, he summed it up in these impassioned words. He said, I sought the key to the greatness and the genius of America in her harbors, in her fertile fields, in her boundless forests, in her rich mines, in her vast world commerce, in her public school system and institutions of learning. I sought for it in her democratic Congress and in her matchless constitution, but it was not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness that I understood the secret of her genius and her power. America is great, de Tocqueville said, because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, then she will also cease to be great. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is an offense to any people. There is that indissoluble connection between greatness and goodness upon which this country was built. We have severed that connection over the last few decades. We have sown the wind of immorality and we are reaping the whirlwind of destruction and death. And we, God's people in Christ, have been placed here by the Lord for such a time as this. America will not turn from the path of destruction until the Christians of this land stop blending in and going along. We have become a chameleon church. We can blend in anywhere. We can go along with anything, no matter how perverse it may be. Just so long as no one figures out that we are sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. For then we might have to endure the scorn and the ridicule of the world. We must stop compromising and yielding. We must be sure that it is the Lord Jesus for whom we stand. But of this one thing, we can be absolutely certain. The Lord God Almighty hates the murder of innocent unborn children. We can win the next election or the next 10 elections. We can balance the budget, we can reduce the deficit, we can bring down taxes and build the mightiest military machine on the face of the earth. But if we do not stop abortion, then God will destroy and God should destroy America. <laughs> abortion is an unholy altar that we have raised up to pagan gods of our own lust and greed and the blood of more than 35 million 
innocent unborn children cries out to God for justice from the ground of America. And the day is coming soon when God will heed that cry. And when he does, woe to us. On that great day of reckoning, it will not be enough to say, Lord, we were in church every Sunday. We built great churches in your name. We raised millions of dollars in your name. On that great day of reckoning to those who stood silent while the killing went on, the Lord will say, depart from me, you cursed ones, for I do not know you. But in the amazing grace, the incredible mercy and long-suffering of our wonderful God, that day has not yet come. America may have turned her back on God, but God, for some reason, has not yet turned his back on America. So let us work while it is still day, before the night comes, when no man can work. Let us rouse the Christians of this city and of this land to be what God has called and enabled them to be, the stinging salt that stops the decay of death, the shining light that dispels the darkness of doubt and despair, the gleaming city set high upon a hill, it stands as a beacon light of life and hope to this nation and to every nation. Let us learn from the mistakes of the past. Let us stand upon the word of God. Let us save this country that we claim to love as we become involved in the process in this crucial moment that God has given us. God is placing before us a challenge before it is too late, and I pray that we will find within the depths of our hearts and souls the courage and the faith to rise to that challenge and make the most of that opportunity. It is within our power because God has placed it there. It is within our grasp to change this America before it is too late, to snatch our country back from the brink of destruction. All the signs of the deadly decay all around us are unmistakably clear our nation's leaders wallow in decadence and deceit while the polls tell us that the people don't care and apathy and indifference prevails we must care as the people of God in Christ we must be the salt and the light and the shining city as Christians gathered here today let us resolve not to repeat the mistakes of the past let us resolve not to allow evil men to triumph simply because good men have done nothing. Let us stand together as the people of God, bold in the confidence of the Spirit, and declare before our nation the soul of America. You can leave that to us. Thank you. Oh, my. That was a, that was a pastor, Pastor Lawrence White, uh, Houston, Texas, with a message that we captured. And uh, our listening audience loves to hear it, but now we want to take action. Now listen to this song and see what you think.
<laughs> That's right, folks. The church, not the government. The church must speak first with power and certainty. Now, listen, I'm going to give you our listener comment line, 1-800-345-2621. Listen to what this person said. Hi, my name's George, and in the spring of 2015, I was using drugs really bad, had been for 30-plus years. So I started listening to your radio station, and I would have questions for God, and then I would turn your radio station on, and I would get the answers. So I knew God was trying to bring me to Him. To make a long story short, I've been clean for about three years now. He's turned my life around. Your radio station had a big part in that. Thank you. Oh, my friend, uh, you warm you warm our heart when we hear you say that. Here's another one. I enjoy Bot Radio. I am just blessed to hear the various programs to proclaim the truth of God's Word. I'm really thankful. Well, let's see if we can hear another one. How about that? I've been listening to uh, Bot Radio for three years, and two things have happened in my spiritual life. My faith has increased. Romans ten seventeen, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and renewing of my mind. Romans twelve two. All the preachers on the Bot Radio Network are the best there are, and thank you for all the good work. Thank you for Bot Radio. God bless. Here's another one. You can tune into Bot Radio. Anytime you need some input and have good programming, thank you. All right, well, now you know what provoked this program today was the fact that the Supreme Court has agreed to listen to a case that would limit abortion, that would curtail it quite a bit. And so the media has gone crazy. Hollywood has gone crazy. The commentators on the radio and television, they've all in the press and the media. So that's why we want to revisit that for you folks for the church, those who really care about the innocent babies that we just lose because of the way it's been. This is Dick Bott with this chapter of The Complete Story as a public service. I'll see you later.